Chapter Twenty Six of *The Nest of the Sparrowhawk* by Emma Orksey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Outcast. It took Mistress Charity some little time to recover her breath. She had thrown herself into a chair with her pinner over her face in an uncontrollable fit of laughter when this outburst of hilarity had subsided she sat up and looked round her with eyes still streaming with merry tears but the laughter suddenly died on her lips and the merriment out of her eyes a dull tired voice had just said feebly is sir marmaduke de chavasse within charity jumped up from the chair and stared stupidly at the speaker oh lord love you master richard lambert she murmured i thought you were your ghost forgive me mistress if i have frightened you he said it is mine own self i give you assurance of that and i fain would have speech with sir marmaduke mistress charity was visibly embarrassed she began mechanically to rub the black stain on her cheek sir marmaduke is without just at present master lambert she stammered shyly and yes and he asked what is it wench speak out sir marmaduke gave orders master lambert she began with obvious reluctance that she paused and he concluded the sentence for her that i was not to be allowed inside his house was that it alas yes good master never mind girl he rejoined as he deliberately crossed the hall and sat down in the chair which she had just vacated you have done your duty but you could not help admitting me could you since i walked in of mine own accord and now that i am here i will remain until i have seen sir marmaduke well of a truth good master she said with a smile for twas but natural that her feminine sympathies should be on the side of a young and good-looking man somewhat in her own sphere of life as against the ill-humoured parsimonious master whom she served and you sit there so determinedly i cannot prevent you can i then as she perceived the look of misery on the young man's face his pale cheeks his otherwise vigorous frame obviously attenuated by fear the motherly instinct present in every good woman's heart caused her to go up to him and to address him timidly offering such humble solace as her simple heart could dictate lud preserve you good master i pray you do not take on so you know master courage and i now never believed all those stories about ye of a truth master busy he had his own views but then you see good master he and i do not always agree even though i own that he is vastly clever with his discoveries and his clues but master courage now master courage is a wonderful lad and he thinks that you are a persecuted hero and i am bound to say that i too hold that view thank you thank you kind mistress said lambert smiling despite his dejection 
at the girl's impulsive efforts at consolation his head had sunk down on his breast and he sat there in the high-backed chair one hand resting on each leather-covered arm his pale face showing almost ghost-like against the dark background and with the faint november light illumining the dark circled eyes the bloodless lips and deeply frowning brow mistress charity gazed down on him with mute and kindly compassion then suddenly a slight rustling noise as of a kirtle sweeping the polished oak of the stairs caused the girl to look up then to pause a brief while as if what she had now seen had brought forth a new train of thought finally she tiptoed silently out through the door of the dining-hall charity mistress charity i want you called lady sue from above we must presume however that the wench had closed the heavy door behind her for certainly she did not come in answer to the call on the other hand richard lambert had heard it he sprang to his feet and saw sue descending the stairs she saw him too and it seemed as if at sight of him she had turned and meant to fly but a word from him detained her sue only once had he thus called her by her name before that long ago night in the woods but now the cry came from out his heart brought forth by his misery and his sorrow his sense of terrible injustice and of an irretrievable wrong it never occurred to her to resent the familiarity at sound of her name thus spoken by him she had looked down from the stairs and seen his pallid face turned up to her in such heart-rending appeal for sympathy that all her womanly instincts of tenderness and pity were aroused all her old feeling of trustful friendship for him she too felt much of that loneliness which his yearning eyes expressed so pathetically she too was conscious of grave injustice and of an irretrievable wrong and her heart went out to him immediately in kindness and in love don't go for pity's sake he added entreatingly for he thought that she meant to turn away from him surely you will not begrudge me a few words of kindness i have gone through a great deal since i saw you she descended a few steps her delicate hand still resting on the banisters her silken kirtle making a soft swishing noise against the polished oak of the stairs it was a solace to him even to watch her now the sight of his adored mistress was balm to his aching eyes yet he was quick to note with that sharp intuition peculiar to love that her dear face had lost much of its brightness of its youth of its joy of living she was as exquisite to look on as ever but she seemed older more gentle and alas a trifle sad i heard you had been ill she said softly i was very sorry believe me but oh do you not think she added with sudden inexplicable pathos 
whilst she felt hot tears rising to her eyes and causing her voice to quiver do you not think that an interview between us now can only be painful to us both he mistook the intention of her words as was only natural and whilst she mistrusted her own feelings for him fearing to betray that yearning for his friendship and his consolation which had so suddenly overwhelmed her at sight of him he thought that she feared the interview because of her condemnation of him then you believe me guilty he said sadly they told you this hideous tale of me and you believed them without giving the absent one who alas could not speak in his own defence the benefit of the doubt for one of those subtle reasons of which women alone possess the secret and which will forever remain inexplicable to the more logical sex she steeled her heart against him even when her entire sensibilities went out to him in passionate sympathy i could not help but believe good master she said a little coldly sir marmaduke de chavasse who with all his faults of temper is a man of honour confirmed that horrible story which appeared in the newspaper and of which every one in thanet hath been talking these weeks past and am i not a man of honour he retorted hotly because i am poor and must work in order to live am i to be condemned unheard is a whole life's record of self-education and honest labour to be thus obliterated by the word of my most bitter enemy your bitter enemy she asked sir marmaduke ay sir marmaduke de chavasse it seems passing strange does it not he rejoined bitterly yet somehow in my heart i feel that sir marmaduke hates me with a violent and passionate hatred nay i know it though i can explain neither its cause nor its ultimate aim he drew nearer to the stairs whereon she still stood her graceful figure slightly leaning towards him he now stood close to her his head just below the level of her own his hand had he dared to raise it could have rested on hers sue my beautiful and worshipped lady he cried impassionedly i entreat you to look into my eyes can you see in them the reflex of those shameful deeds which have been imputed to me do i look like a liar and a cheat in the name of pity and of justice for the sweet sake of our first days of friendship i beg of you not to condemn me unheard he lowered his head and rested his aching brow against her cool white hand she did not withdraw it for a great joy had suddenly filled her heart mingling with its sadness a sense of security and of bitter yet real happiness pervaded her whole being a happiness which she could not wished not to explain but which prompted her to stoop yet further towards him and to touch his hair with her lips 
hot tears which he tried vainly to repress fell upon her fingers he had felt the kiss descending on him almost like a benediction the exquisite fragrance of her person filled his soul with a great delight which was almost pain never had he loved her so ardently so passionately as at this moment when he felt that she too loved him and yet was lost to him irrevocably nay but i will hear you good master she murmured with infinite gentleness for the sake of that friendship and because now that i have seen you again i no longer believe any evil of you god bless my dear lady he replied fervently heaven is my witness that i am innocent of those abominable crimes imputed to me sir marmaduke took me to that house of evil and a cruel plot was there concocted to make me appear before all men as a liar and a cheat and to disgrace me before the world and before you that the object of this plot was to part me from you added richard lambert more calmly and firmly i am absolutely confident what its deeper motive was i dare not even think it was known that i loved you sue that i would give my life to save you from trouble i was your slave your watchdog i was forcibly removed torn from you my name disgraced my health broken down but my life was not for them it belongs to my lady alone heaven would not allow it to be sacrificed to their villainous schemes i fought against sickness and death with all the energy of despair it was a hand-to-hand -hand fight for discouragement and anon despair ranged themselves among my foes and now i have come back he said with proud energy broken mayhap yet still standing a snapped oak yet full of vigour yet i have come back and with god's help will be even with them yet he had straightened his young figure and his strong somewhat harsh voice echoed through the oak-panelled hall he cared not if all the world heard him if his enemies lurked about striving to spy upon him his profession of love and of service to his lady was the sole remaining pride of his life and now that he knew that she believed and trusted him he longed for every man to hear what he had to say nay what you say kind richard fills me with dread said sue after a little pause i am glad glad that you have come back for some weeks nay months past i have had the presentiment of some coming evil i have i have felt lonely and not unhappy he said with his usual earnestness i would not have my lady unhappy for all the treasures of this world no she replied meditatively striving to be conscious of her own feelings i do not think that i am unhappy only anxious and a little lonely that is all sir marmaduke is oft away when he is at home i scarce ever see him and he but rarely speaks to me and methinks there is but scant sympathy 
twixt mistress de chavas and me though she is kind at times in her way then she turned her eyes bright with unshed tears down again to him but all seems right again she said with a sweet sad smile now that you have come back my dear dear friend god bless you for these words i grieved terribly when i heard about you at first she said almost gaily now yet somehow i could not believe it all and now yes and now he asked now i believe in you she replied simply i believe that you care for me and that you are my friend your friend indeed for i would give my life for you once more he stooped but now he kissed her hand he was her friend and had the right to do this he had gradually mastered his emotion his sense of wrong and with that exquisite selflessness which real love alone can kindle in a human heart he had succeeded in putting aside all thought of his own great misery his helplessness and the hopelessness of his position and remembered only that she looked fragile a little older sadder and had need of his help and now sweet lady he said forcing himself to speak calmly of that which always set his heart and senses into a turmoil of passionate jealousy will you tell me something about him him the prince he suggested but she shook her head resolutely no kind richard she said gently i will not speak to you of the prince i know that you do not think well of him i wish to look upon you as my friend and i could not do that if you spoke ill of him because she paused for what she now had to tell him was very hard to say and she knew what a terrible blow she would be dealing to his heart from the wild beating of her own yes he asked because because he is my husband she whispered her head fell forward on her breast she would not trust herself to look at him now for she knew that the sight of his grief was more than she could bear she was conscious that at her words he had drawn his hand away from hers but he spoke no word nor did the faintest exclamation escape his lips thus they remained for a few moments longer side by side she slightly above him with head bent with hot tears falling slowly from her downcast eyes her heart well-nigh breaking with the consciousness of the irreparable he somewhat below silent too and rigid all passion all emotion love even numbed momentarily by the violence the suddenness of this terrible blow then without a word without a sigh or look he turned and she heard his footsteps echoing across the hall then dying away on the threshold of the door beyond anon the door itself closed too with a dull bang which seemed to find an echo in her heart like the tolling of a passing bell then only did she raise her head and look about her the hall was deserted and seemed infinitely lonely 
silent and grim the young girl-wife who had just found a friend only to lose him again called out in mute appeal to this old house the oak-covered walls the very stones themselves for sympathy she was so infinitely so immeasurably lonely with that awful irretrievable day at dover behind her with all its dreariness its silent solemnity its weird finish in the vestry the ring upon her finger her troth plighted to a man whom she feared and no longer loved oh the pity of it all the broken young life the vanished dreams sue bent her head down upon her hands her lips touched her own fingers there where her friends had rested in gratitude and love and she cried cried like a broken-hearted woman cried for her lost illusions and the end of her brief romance end of chapter twenty six